to have unwavering faith, faith that stands in the most difficult and the most troubling of times. These men refuse to compromise. They take a stand for their trust in God, no matter what the consequences are going to be. And a long line of Christians has followed in their steps, and and some of those Christians have lost their lives, standing for the integrity of their faith in Christ. The book of Acts in the Bible shows the story of the first Christian who was killed for his faith. He was a man named Stephen, and he was proclaiming the good news of Jesus, that God had sent him to rescue the world. But there were people around that didn't like this message. They thought it was a dangerous message. And so they started picking up stones and hurling them at him, trying to kill him. Well, in Stephen's case, God did not intervene, and Stephen ended up dying. But Stephen knows that that even as he's dying, that doesn't mean that God is powerless. As the rocks are being thrown at him, pelting his body, God gives him a vision. He says, I see heaven opened up, and, and the Son of Man, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God in glory. He's so convinced that God is in control, even in his own death, that his last recorded words are, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. See, even in his death, he has total confidence that God is in control. One of my uh, supposed relatives, ancient ancestors, was named Nicholas Ridley, and, and he was burned at the stake for his part in the English Reformation in the 1500s. He was committed to proclaiming the good news of Jesus and, and bringing reform to the church in England, and he was condemned to death because of it. And as the fire was burning up his body, one of the men who was being burned alongside him, Hugh Latimer, called out to him. He said this, he said, Be of good comfort, Mr. Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust never shall be put out. So even as these men are being killed and God is not showing up to rescue them, they're showing that they're absolutely confident in the goodness of God and the power of God and the plan of God. He is at work even as these men are suffering and dying. Daniel 3, this passage we just looked at, is a great picture of God's power to save, but it's also a picture of very realistic faith. So trusting in God and putting your, your life in his hands is vindicated not only if God rescues you. See, God shows himself to be in control in a marvelous display in this story. He shows that he is in control when he sends his angel to rescue these men who've been thrown into a fire to, to execute them. It's, it's a huge story of how God is in control. But God is still in control when he allows one of his followers to be bludgeoned to death by rocks or when he allows one who is proclaiming the name of Jesus to be burned at the stake. What we need to know above everything else is this big lesson that the book of Daniel continues to relentlessly push forward. God is the true king. He is the one who is really in control. He is the one who's really on the throne. No matter what human is in a position of power or authority, God is the one who is in control. He always has been and he always will be. If you and I are ever going to have the kind of confidence that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and Stephen and Nicholas Ridley and and Hugh Latimer had, we need to know the God that they knew. See, there may come a time when, when you and I are faced with the demand to compromise, whether it's in a little thing or in a large thing, the integrity of our confidence in God and our trust in him will be challenged. Jesus prepared his followers for that. In Matthew 10, he's sending them out to proclaim the message of God's kingdom. But he he warns them that there will be opposition to this. There will be some who don't want to hear this. And so he gives them this word of comfort. 
This is Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Do not be afraid of those who can kill your body but can't touch your soul. The one you should be afraid of, fear, be in awe of, is God himself, who is in control over the entire universe. And this God loves you, and he watches out for you. Too often we do the exact opposite of this, don't we? We're terrified of those who have the ability to do us physical harm. We're terrified of those who are in positions of authority over us or positions of power that can impact our lives. We are very afraid and very in awe, very impressed by them. See, the problem is that we're, we're much more easily impressed by the people and the things around us and much too little impressed with God himself. So we can go to Chicago, we see these giant buildings and be impressed by the, the power and, and the money and the expertise that went into building these things. Those are impressive kind of buildings. Or, or you can look at the presidential campaign. These people are vying for your vote and, and we think there's so much power wrapped up in this one position in our country. Or you can look at the things that are happening in your life. You can look at your bank account and your bills and see, I just, I don't know how that's going to work. Or you look at the relationships in your life. There's so much uh, love there and yet so much ability for hurt and pain in the midst of those things. We are very impressed by the things that are right in front of us. They gain our attention and, and they, can, they can really grab our whole focus. And for sure, these are things that make a difference. They matter to us. They are important things. They have a great ability to disrupt our lives in all sorts of ways. But Jesus is lifting our eyes above that. There is a far more impressive reality. Fear, stand in awe of God himself. He is the one with true power. I mean, don't forget what happened in this story in Daniel 3. This is a true story. I mean, God rescued people from a fire that was so hot that the guys throwing them into the fire died. This is not an everyday occurrence. This is the kind of thing that, that King Nebuchadnezzar thought could never possibly happen, and yet God does it. And he does it so completely that when the guys walk out of the fire, which is in itself amazing, there's not even the smell of smoke on them. Listen, when I have a campfire in the backyard, I smell like smoke for the rest of the day. These guys have been in the middle of a blazing hot furnace, and there's no single hair on their heads that is uh, tinged. It's amazing. And that God has shown himself powerful to save from not only execution as here, but from death itself. See, this God sent his son Jesus to reveal to us true power. And when Jesus was ministering on the earth, he showed that there was no sickness and no ailment that he was not able to heal. He heals all sorts of different things. People who have been paralyzed from birth are suddenly being able to walk. People who have never seen anything their entire lives are suddenly able to see. People with a lifelong illness suddenly healed. And then when Jesus himself is killed, once again, it looks like the powers that be are the ones who are in control. It looks like, once again, they are the impressive ones. They are the powerful ones. And yet God shows, even in this, his infinitely more impressive power by raising Jesus from death to life. See, we need to recalibrate our thinking of what truly impresses us. And the cross and the resurrection of Jesus is crucial 
for us to understand that, that, that it lifts our eyes above the stuff that's happening right here in front of us and above the things that we're tempted to be really impressed by, to see that there is a God who loves us so much that he sent his own son who died for us and who is so powerful that he raised Jesus from death to life again. There's a God who, who, who loves us that much. The cross then becomes the, the central image that recalibrates our whole thinking and helps us to understand that God is more powerful. I had a great chance to uh, remember this uh, even yesterday. I'll tell, me, tell you the story about this little cross up here. My Saturdays, on Saturdays I, I uh, run through uh, the sermon uh, two times, and I'm thinking about it really all day on Saturday. Uh, so yesterday I was sitting on the couch and mentally kind of uh, rehashing uh, the sermon and, and how things were going to go and things like that. And, and my oldest came over and, and grabbed these blocks and, and made a little cross and put them on the table next to me. Uh, and then he said this, it's in case you forget what you're talking about when you're preaching. <laughs> and you can look at this and remember, it's about Jesus. It's about the cross. This is a far more powerful reality. There are difficult things in your life. There will always be difficult things in your life. There will be times when we are tempted to believe that God is not in control. There will be many times when we do not understand what he is doing and what is happening. We have to lift our eyes above the things that are so impressive and see what is ultimately impressive. There is a far bigger reality that the Bible opens our eyes to so that we can understand that now and always there is a God who is on the throne. So this is what the Apostle Paul says in difficult times, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, So, therefore, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, the scene are kings like Nebuchadnezzar and golden images and fiery furnaces and all that junk. That's the scene. We focus our eyes not on that, but on what is unseen, the cross and resurrection of Jesus, the power of God, that he is the one who's on the throne. Because, he says, what is seen is temporary. That image of gold, it's gone. Never been able to find it. Nebuchadnezzar, I don't think they even know where his grave is. Dead and gone. Those things are temporary but what is unseen is eternal, the kingdom of God, his reign, his rule over the earth. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, the ultimate reality, the far more impressive truth. God is the one who is on the throne. He is today. He will be tomorrow. He always has been and he always will be. No matter how bad things get, we can always trust him. Please pray with me. God, I pray that you would remind us every day, day after day after day, of the more impressive reality of the God who reigns. I pray that you'd bring us back to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, that we would know that there is a power that we would never even believe if we hadn't been told it. An incredible, amazing power. And I pray that knowing the power of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, we would come to trust you more than anything no matter what, and that we'd be so impressed by you that everything else would be seen to be so small a comparison. Bind our hearts to Christ now and always. Amen.